0: Coming up this week, off screen. Mike and Dave need wedding dates. We meet Pete's dragon. Emma Roberts touches a nerve. There's grief in the valley of love. We brace ourselves for the wave. Moaz and Beg delivers a confession. Ingrid Bergman gets explored in her very own words. Todd Salons has a wiener dog. And Blake Lively braves the shallows. All those to come and more, off screen. This is
1: this is off screen. Off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, screen. I'm Van Connor, Case Allen, and your weekly roundup of everything at the Multiplex begins now. So we've got to start there with some really sad news. Mm, uh, we we yeah. did we did lose a member of the Cinematic family this past week. We certainly did. We lost Santa himself. Would you believe? Yeah. And the Big Lebowski. The, yeah, the Long Big Lebowski. To, yeah, to da- David Huddleston. He was Lebowski. Moves- you're Lebowski. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you employed, sir? <laughs> And Very something. sad news. To a generation of kids, he was Santa because of Santa Claus the movie. Of course, yeah, uh, Dudley Moore one, it, the yeah. du- otherwise known as the Dudley Moore one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which have you, have you
0: watched it in recent years? That movie. I think I watched it last Christmas. It, it's always on the list. It's it always does, one it, of ones got it to go. It
1: hit. plays like Batman begins with Santa. It certainly does. <laughs> it's really weird. John
0: Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah,
1: John Lithgow's your like Luther type. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, to to a generation of older kids now, he's he's the original Lebowski. He is yeah. the big Lebowski. <laughs> Uh, and sadly he passed away uh, this past week. Which is uh, sad times.
0: Very sad but, times. Yeah, it's been
1: a bit of a bit of a downer of a year. We're having a it? real downer year. We really are. Well, yeah. so well. Speaking of uh, of downers, should we look at the top ten for this week? And because I know that the number one with a bullet's kind of a downer, and we didn't get to review it, so we'll we'll do a mini oh, review. I will leave it to up to you because I still have not had the pleasure. I don't know if pleasure is even the word. Number ten. Hey!
0: George of the Jungle part
1: three <laughs> there is a George of the Jungle too isn't there there, a... is, so <laughs> part, part yeah, there is that's why I said part three I was aware the yeah. so Legend of Tarzan which plays on the uh, the Mask of Zorro type retro adventure concept I think it's more fun than most people I really mm. like Alexander Skarsgård as Tarzan I thought he was he was actually quite well cast they don't do an awful lot with Margot Robbie's uh, Jane But they do however have some fun uh, Ringing sort of adventure mileage Out of the the buddy dynamic Sam Sam Jackson Jackson is getting a paycheck and having a good time Yeah exactly and Christoph Waltz is doing the Mustache twirling villain thing and that's never Not fun Apart from Inspector. Apart from Inspector.
0: Number nine. Absolutely fabulous, the movie. This is kind of hanging in there. It's kind of hanging in. It's a
1: non-mover. And it's not fabulous. It's not even particularly good. It's absolutely all right, I suppose. Absolutely average. Absolutely average. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, bang on the average, Mark. Um, It's funnier when the central two characters aren't on screen. Which is concerning, since they're literally the, the faces on the poster. Yeah. You know? And it's their, it's their it's their, show, you know. But why aren't they the, you know, in any way funny? But the movie is just a mishmash hodgepodge of half-baked sitcom to movie conversion ideas which never really work, don't go together, and by the end of it all, you've had a couple of laughs at Kate Moss's expense and very little else. Number eight. Ice Age Collision Course. This is the fifth one now? The, the fifth one. This is Armageddon for kids. Yeah. This is uh, this this really is that I'm a, I'm
0: a get again, is that what we said? I'm, I'm a am again. I'm a, get again. <laughs> I'm a get
1: again. Got to the end of the movie, you're like, I'm a getting out of here. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah you know it is an Ice Age sequel in every expectational sense. You, yeah. you get from it exactly what you think you will. Mm. And if you go in thinking I don't like the Ice Age movies, these aren't for me, then this really isn't gonna be for you either. No, go see Find and or something. <laughs> exactly, yeah. go see that that's way better, but Absolutely, yeah. yeah, go and go and see that. And that's it. It didn't doesn't depress you or anything it's it's not going to win any new fans of the series but it's chapter five of a very popular ongoing kids series and frankly you should know what to expect by now number seven who are you gonna call? yeah ghostbusters what they said <laughs> <laughs> what, the, what, what that guy said that, it, that guy being missy elliott uh, yeah exactly i mean yeah. who, who's who's the guy leading singer from fallout boy oh, I don't uh know. patrick stump patrick patrick stumps not Pete Wentz,
0: he's the bass player, but you would be, yeah, you'd yeah, be, you would think, uh, you would think the in, way that he acts in
1: the same way you think Lars Ulrich was leading a Metallica, but yeah, yeah, shut up, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes you, Lars. But uh, no, so, <clears throat> Ghostbusters is something that I think people seem to want to keep talking about, and the movie itself is fine. It's enjoyable enough. There's, it's not bad. It's not good. It, it's enjoyable enough. You know, there's there's some good gags in there. There are the, gags to be had. Yeah. The opening sequence, I think, is absolutely gut-bustingly hilarious with uh, the guy from Silicon Valley oh, whose name... It's, a, yeah, it's gone now. Escapes me. Jared from Silicon Valley and his his description of an old house um, it, yeah. it's it's one of the funniest things I've seen this year. Um, but I liked a it, uh, it. Uh, float bit. I quite like well, exactly. Yeah. I just wish it had something to say of its own <clears throat> rather than simply Retreading or, or yeah. referencing the original film. And that that for me is the biggest disappointment with it. Number six. A dog's life. <laughs> how many of these titles can you come up with so many <laughs> right, i'm a big fan of the secret life of pets uh, i'm really glad we're getting that sequel now um, yeah 2018 i believe 2018 i like that it's happening soon enough that they can still have the same cast and not really any issues they can keep the tone consistent yeah. keep it going i really liked it it is toy story rewritten for pets rather than toys i mean you could call this pet story, pet story. I, I will next time th- we do the, the show next, the next that's show. the next one yeah and that's it there are a lot of laughs we have there's a great cast in there a very charming very winning cast uh it's chock full of characters that you will basically argue with your friends over who's the, who's the most enjoyable one um there's not really a downside to it it is a lot of fun so um we should talk uh by the way about the podcast real quick because there are nine films out this week
0: yeah, we cannot fit them all. We can't fit nine nine
1: films. Cannot be fit into forty minutes of radio. We time. are but two men. We, we, we are we are but mere mortals. So of course we we, we looked out. We have our our podcast extra supplement. So Fancy if you download map. the podcast edition, you get the forty minute radio edit. Yeah. You get the end credits, and then you get those other four films that we can't <laughs> can't cover <laughs> afterwards as well. Along with you know more film news, and most importantly, the moment, moment of cage. Of so go along to uh, iTunes, Acast, uh, TuneIn, TuneIn. Uh, it's Deezer, Deezer's are we one on, now. We're, on we're, Deezer. we're on Deezer now. Are we now. on Spotify we're, yet? Uh, we're not on Spotify yet, because the whole thing, they haven't, apparently they haven't really started doing podcasts hmm. yet. But they, 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 they one, will. One day, one day. One day. So let's talk then about The Wave. Are you, yeah. f- are you familiar I'm with not what? familiar with The Wave, so right. clue me in. So this is this premiered at a bunch of festivals last year, and it's been slowly building international momentum ever since. Yeah. And this is the big international breakout uh, project for writer-director Raw Uthorg. The, the great, best name I've ever heard. It is that is the greatest name, isn't it? Yeah, Raw that's, that's the best name since uh, what was what was the guy's brother? Vin, oh. Vince Cassell's brother? Something squats. Oh, Rusty man. squats. Rusty squats. Rusty that squats. was it. Yeah. Uh, right. So Raw Uthog, who has just been cast, who has just been hired as the director of the Tomb Raider reboot. Oh, that guy. That guy. Oh, and then you see this movie, and all of a sudden yeah. you realise why. So uh, it's a subtitle film. It's Norwegian, so we haven't <laughs> got a clip. Mm. You've got uh, Christopher Jonner, who you might remember as one of the one of the squad in the Revenant. And he looks an awful lot like Norman Reedus, <laughs> if i honest. I know the exact You know right. exactly what yeah. I mean? Uh, he is the local town geologist in the town of uh, Geranger in, uh, in Norway. They've got the fjord, they've got the quintessential valley with the body of water and large yeah. mountains around it. And as is apparently par for the course when you live in Norway, there is the potential and looming threat of a, a rock slide, which will, of course, bring with it, as a result, a tsunami which will destroy the entire town. This actually happens. So the first half of this movie... Is this geologist trying to investigate what's going on with his equipment, etc.? Rockslide comes down. There's ten minutes to evacuate this entire town. I'm
0: getting like a Norwegian version of Dante's Peak. Yes.
1: Now this is where it gets interesting. So you've got basically the setup for something like Dante's Peak. Mm. You've got the, the 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 threat of spectacle to rival San Andreas, and yet you have Ooh. this new element that you've not quite <clears throat> seen in one of these movies for a long, long time, which is oh wait, there's some characters in this. And noticeably missing
0: from those t- over two films, missing, yeah. yeah,
1: and that's where this film comes alive. Great characters, great writing, great performances, mm. particularly Jonner as the lead, and but it's all about Raw Uthorg. <laughs> and th- this guy can play with visuals like you yeah. wouldn't believe. He really, I mean, it's a stunning film to look at. Um, it is b- by far the best disaster movie in what a good decade i would say easily this is this does for character what san andreas does for spectacle because it doesn't try to outdo those movies it says you know what we're just going to go in a different direction
0: yeah it definitely sounds like
1: it it does and it leaves roland emmerich in the dust and frankly for me i call that a win with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen the on-screen radio show and we're back. Do you like? I like our weekly reminders that Jurassic Park exists. That's. I don't need any kind of reminders. reminder. No,
0: I, I wake up and I look at my Blu-ray every day.
1: Oh, I subscribe to that thing on Facebook that's the same photo of Jeff Goldblum every day. So that, that's how I do it. Oh, I've got that on Twitter. Have, you, have you got actually, that on Twitter? Yeah. It's, it, it's so worth it, isn't it? Just Absolutely. create an account yeah. purely for that. So let's talk then about <laughs> The Shallows, uh, which is the latest, uh, mm. latest kind of low-budget thriller from is it is it Juan Cole Sarah? That's why I've been saying it. So this is a guy... He's
0: he got a bit of a partnership with Liam Neeson, hasn't he? He, he kind of has. Yeah. He, non-stop, did, uh, he did non-stop. Yeah. He also did...
1: Uh, what was the other... Oh, Run All Night. An Unknown. Was um, that the other one? I'm not sure. Was I don't unknown? think... I don't you know. No, no, no. I'll have to have a look at that. We'll have to look he at He definitely did the other two. But this is, this is his latest thriller. And this time around, he's going for something of a capsule idea. So <laughs> the idea is, you know, one character, solitary environment... Out exterior threat. Mm. This time around, you've got Ms. Blake Lively, aka Mrs. Ryan Reynolds, which is funny because Ryan Reynolds did exactly this in *Buried*, which yes, was did. Ryan Reynolds in a box. Yeah. You've had Ryan He's Reynolds in a box. Now have the wife on a rock. So that's that, that's the setup for the movie. She is your requisite gap year girl who has mm. gone off to in in the wake of her mother's death has gone off to uh, find this secret beach that her mum once had the time of her life at, <coughs> and she goes to do some surfing. And uh, after everyone's cleared out for the day and, you know, everyone's gone home, she decides, you know, I'm just going to catch a few more waves, catch a few more tubes, as she would say, uh, while, while the sun's out, before the sun sets, you know, and make the most of this. However, she's not as alone as she thinks because there's also an enormous great hepping shark. Dun, dun.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Don't don't nope.
1: ever mention this movie in Jaws in the same sentence because it doesn't deserve it. <clears throat> it's a fine movie and all, but you don't put this in Jaws in the same category. <laughs> anyway, so you've got Blake Lively who becomes injured, quickly gets injured on a piece of uh, reef or rock or something, mm-hmm. uh, and has to sit on this this little bit of rock, two hundred feet from the shoreline, whilst Ooh. a shark circles, circles around her, basically out for her blood. There's also a seagull named C- Steven Seagull. That's worth seeing the film. It it, it is indeed. You have my money. Now, now here's Blake Lively making a FaceTime call.
0: Hey! Guess where I am? Tijuana. (laughs) Oh my god. No way. Mom's
1: Beach, right? Just as beautiful as she said it was. Uh, I wish you were here. I wish she was here. Does that mean you're alone?
0: I wasn't gonna come all this way just to wuss out because I lost my plus one.
1: That's how you wind up on Nancy oh. Grace, okay? Excuse me. I am supposed to be the boring, overprotective sister. You are supposed to be the fun one. Sis, the surf here, it's insane. You would not believe the perfect tube I just caught.
0: I could shoot tubes just as good as you if
1: you would just take me out. I'll take you I'll take you out as soon as I get back. As you can tell, we are talking about that level of characterization where someone needs to constantly refer to their sister as sis. Which is a level of characterization which once sank a perfectly good Kiefer Sutherland horror movie, but uh, which one are we talking about? Mirrors. I,
0: was, I thought that was mirrors. It, it, that you were talking it was, it was about. And
1: yeah. Amy Smart was the sister. If you if you don't remember that either. Remember Amy a- Smart
0: of, uh, of Crank Two fame. Of Crank Two fame yeah. and Crank One fame. Oh, of
1: course. And, and, and Road Trip. Um, oh, anyway. I'm sorry, Amy Smart. You have a perfectly fine okay. career. Enough of enough of that skinny blonde. Let's talk about this skinny blonde. So, Blake Lively, <laughs> who enters this film with all the pomp and circumstance of a movie star without having ever actually earned the status of being a movie star. And yet she struts in like she's Scarlett Johansson. Mm. And for some reason that you can't quite put your finger on, it kind of works. <laughs> it really does. Um, I mean, the key to it all is Colle is Sarah. Or is he shorted it to Sarah? Just is Sarah. say Sarah, yeah. As, as the director of this, he seems to have basically lined up with his editor, who, I forget his name offhand. It's, the editor is, Ah, oh, oh, hang on, it's uh, Negron, isn't it? Uh, no I did have it written down somewhere. He teams up with his editor to basically deliver every possible drop of tension to squeeze every just insignificant particle of tension he can out of this film and for the most part, it does really work. if you sit and really think about it, it falls apart instantly, but she is likeable enough to make this work. It is all about tension. It is all about suspense. The word taut is used uh, <laughs> is used in pretty much every write-up of this film for a reason. It's tight, it's pacey, it clocks in at just under an hour and a half. It is pretty much it's a solid little ride. It's like open water with a Snapchat element, if you can imagine such a thing. Kind of like that. Yeah, I'm getting but, that vibe. I didn't really enjoy open water, though i didn't either but you know it's a better version this is a better version of open yeah. water i'll give it that and a better version of open water with half the cast so that's great then <laughs> half the number of cast members because <laughs> that one starred two people yeah but uh, <laughs> uh, i i gotta talk about this bit of film news by the way because this this what, came out this? this came out nowhere this week um do you watch mr robot on tv
0: I've just started it because I've got an Amazon Prime trial, so I'm, I'm uh, going to try and boss it all. Within oh, like a oh, okay. Week. So, yeah. uh,
1: Mr. Robot, aka the, the only the second time that Christian Slater has ever gotten a second season of something. Um, the first one was called Breaking In with Megan Mullally.
0: I knew that, but did Melissa's at home? Well, there that? they go. Yeah. Um,
1: he's in that series, uh, Mr. Robot, and it stars uh, Rami Malik as the lead. Yes. Yeah, who most, most people really just know as the pharaoh guy from the Night, from the museums night museums, yeah. yeah it Museum he was in what was that Need for Speed, Need for speed. Need for although speed well. my mum just thinks he's Bruno Mars <laughs> R- really he just needs a hat he, he, that's it my mum walked in me watching Mr. Robot just thought is, is Bruno oh, Mars Bruno is in Mars. that thing I'm like no no it's Ryan Malek although it's easy to get them confused Ryan Marlock is going to be starring yeah. in a remake of Papillon Yes, he is. Who is he going to be with? He's going to be starring alongside Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Oh, what accents is he going to do this time? I don't know. I just watched an
0: interview with him. You cannot tell where that boy is from. Uh, Robbie Marlick or, or no, Charlie, Charlie Hunnam? No, Charlie Hunnam. His accent on, is all over. I child.
1: saw him on Conan and he just used his English accent and it was hilarious. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Let's move on then to talking about uh, Pete's Dragon. Because yes. I, I sense this is one you do want to discuss.
0: It is even though I haven't seen it. <laughs>
1: right. I've just so, yeah. This is so an vested. adaptation of I mean, a seventies Disney film. It's yeah. based dragging in the seventies. Animated Disney film from the seventies, which I've never seen. And you, you evidently have. I, I, I have, but I'm not really
0: invested in the original. I just, I like the story, and I like the director of this one.
1: Okay, so what you have is a young yeah. boy uh, named Pete, imaginatively enough, yeah. <laughs> who at, at the age of, I think, he's about two years old, two or three years old, uh, is in a car accident with his parents. The car goes sailing off, uh, off, off a rock, off a cliff, off a hill or something, and the parents are killed, and the young boy is left alone in the forest where he immediately encounters a great, enormous, hepping dragon. Sounds legit. Sounds legit. Um, who he quickly names Elliot, based on a storybook that he has. And uh, it, Elliot becomes his guardian, his protector. And some years later, I think it's six or so years later, the young boy, now six years older, encounters a park ranger, a park sheriff played by Bryce Dallas Howard, who bring, tries to bring him back into the real world. And, of course, this soon brings with it an outside threat We have these lumberjackers who are out to capture the dragon, led of course by Carl Urban, because why wouldn't they be? Uh, We have a clip of what happens when they try to rescue the dragon from these lumberjackers and notice the the salted caramel tones of Mr. Robert Redford. Whoa.
0: How do we get him out of here? Do you know how to drive? Sort of. My dad's truck doesn't have this many buttons.
1: Stop what you're doing, young lady. Your feet don't even reach the pedals. Scoot over. Wait! I don't want to hurt your friend, son. I just want to help. Get in. So this comes by way of writer-director David Lowery. I mean, are you familiar with this guy? He seems like a director you might know more than me.
0: Yes, uh, he did a film called Eight Ben Bodies, Saints. That's that the one. That was a very good film, with, yeah. With,
1: with, with the proper Affleck. The proper Affleck. With the proper Affleck. Yeah. And, 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 and the proper, proper Mara. Mara. Yeah. The proper, proper, Mara. proper Affleck, proper Mara. And a Ben Foster to boot as and well. And a Ben Foster oh, to boot, because, of you, well, you've just got to have a Ben Foster. You've got her. yeah. <laughs> so he's, what he's done here, and this is really clever. First of all, he's brought, uh, he, he's brought a sensibility to this all where it feels... Feels like let's do as much of the Amblin style, not animated, the Amblin style family adventure Mm. movie as possible. And great, that works. That tone throughout sustains this. I know we were talking about we'd both been watching Stranger Things, yeah, we just started, and that has that Amblin feel to it. In one sense, very much a Stand By Me almost element to it, but with a bit of Amblin. This has a very similar sensibility. But what it's got as well is, and this seems to be Lowry's distinctive uh, sensibility. It's got a very Earthy, very backyard, small town America vibe going on. Very much a sort of, you know what? No one likes lumberjacks, but you got to have them. You, you know what I mean? It's it's the bypass yeah. story from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Absolutely, you've got to build bypass. I mean, if, if you've if you've got to have one, you might as well have it played by Carl Urban. Exactly, there yeah. is that, and you've got Wes Bentley in there, and there is this yeah. very, very flannel adorned, you know, good old boy, small town America feel to it. Where is it set?
0: Do we, do we say where it's set? I don't know specifically, it, specifically.
1: it seems to have a sort of Colorado-type oh, right, yeah. feel to it. A colorado Iowa. One of the sort of There's heartlands. a lot of trees. A lot of tre- There are a lot yeah. of trees. Very I know, green. We, we actually see the forest as being something like 15 miles across. Or oh, or, right. There's a reason the kid hasn't been found in six years. Yeah, because he's um, there. Yeah. But that's it. But what I really like about it more than anything is I love the central performance by Oakes Fegley, who's the young hmm. boy who plays Pete, because he's got very... It reminded me an awful lot of... Am I thinking when I say Jacob Tremblay...
0: Yeah, from, from room. From room. Yes.
1: Very yes, much that sort of a performance. Although he comes out of his shell a little bit more and starts to go, as as best way of calling it, full amblin'. Yeah. And it, and it really works. Um, I think Bryce Dallas Howard's not doing anything out of the ordinary, I would say, with this. It's very much that sort she's, of performance. She's comfortable, yeah. That's it. She's comfortable. It has that feel to it. How about Robert Redford? Robert Redford is... Do you know what? He's he's doing your granddad's role. He's, he's, he's got having a his, good time. He's got his nice, thick mug... With his, with he's his, got some Werther's originals. With his just, Werther's yeah. originals and his tea, and he's got a cardigan on, and he's he's settled. You know, that's he's, how I want to live my life. He's good. He's good. Yeah. He's Redfording, He's fine. He's got Sundance. <laughs> he's got Sundance. He's Sundancing everywhere. <laughs> but you know, a lot a lot of fun to it. Um, it is very heartwarming. There's a lot of emotional beats in it. Um, I thought i I don't know the original film, but I, I if if this is an inferior product to the the animated film, then everyone's in for a treat. If it's if it is an inferior one, if not, then you see, you'll it's, love it. it's a bit of a funny
0: one. Be, the original, because it's not exactly universally beloved. Is it's just not? not really remembered. Well,
1: this is the thing because my Facebook feed's been filled for about a week now with people saying, "Oh my god, another childhood favourite of mine being ruined."
0: Oh, uh, that's just the internet, van, Pay no <laughs> <that> attention.
1: <laughs> no, and I'm just, I'm just there like. Unless it's our <laughs> podcast, <laughs> exactly.
0: i mean, just like, get over Batman, and Superman. Yeah. That's my childhood. Being right. ruined. Um, uh, David Lowry is uh, doing uh, Peter Pan the, the Disney <laughs> he one. He is. I heard yeah. this. Yeah. So uh, again... Sorry, sorry, Joe. Right? Yeah. Sorry, Joe. You no, did a terrible
1: job. Y- you're actually Joe Wrong in that case. But <laughs> uh... oh, this! <laughs> what a week for terrible wordplay. <laughs> raw Uthorg man raw oh, Uthorg. Thorg. with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen and we're back so um well we've got to talk about it, it, it it's on everyone's lips it. are you a watcher or a player It's time, of course, to uh, to talk about Evron, as as Alan Frank keeps calling it, because the poster has the title written in sort of mirror image. Right. So he he took that to me, which was called Evron, but uh, I I sense he was he was mocking. But yeah. uh, still, so, I'm n- Frank mocking never exactly. Never. So nerve, which comes to us from the directors of Catfish, would you believe? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the directors oh, of okay. Catfish and Paranormal Activity Three. Because <laughs> yeah, what, let's just focus on Catfish. Catfish was Let, all right. Let's just yeah yeah. So this is the story of a teenage girl played by Emma Roberts. <laughs> you can see why she's funny in a second. She's an introverted photographer who looks like Emma Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's stuck being the sidekick and looks like Emma Roberts right who um can't get attention from the boy she likes at school but she looks like, like Emma, Emma Roberts. Roberts I'm sensing a theme you're sensing a theme she finds out that there's a uh, an online game sort of social networking based uh, youtube-ish kind of uh, game called Nerve in which you can either be a watcher or a player um do you know what tell you what the, the clip actually explains this and then we'll, we'll explain the rest we'll of the plot afterwards on. here's the clip
0: oh Nerve is starting. Sorry, this is really important. What's
1: Nerve? It's a game. Here, just click on the video.
0: Welcome to Nerve, New York City. Nerve is a 24-hour game, like truth or dare, minus the truth. Watchers pay to watch. Players play to win. Cash and glory. Are you a watcher or a player? Are you a watcher or a player? Are you a watcher or a player? It's cool, right?
1: This looks... Very sketchy. Is this legal? I don't know. Probably not. Just do it. Just sign up and watch. Time's ticking. Okay, signing up. Look, this is me signing up to watch you. V, you have to sign up and watch me. It's very important that I have watchers. Hey, I gotta go. My mom's Just got it. home. I'll sign up after breakfast. I promise. Thank you. I love you. I'll see you in a little bit. Bye. Ron, right, did you ever see Cheap Thrills?
0: No, I sadly have not. Right. In fact, I want to lend it from you, so
1: it just oh, reminds me. Okay, that's fair enough. So this is, this was It's one of the most fun films of 2013, mm. and it was directed by first-timer, E.L. Katz. And I've always wondered, I think he is doing a follow-up film now, but it's taken him a mm. few years. Uh, this actually does play as if someone took that nice, nasty little indie film and thought, we can have some fun with this. Yeah, we put some teenage in it. Exactly. So we'll put a teenager in and we'll make her look like Emma Roberts. So let's just get Emma Roberts. And um, <laughs> first of all, she does actually at times really remind you of the sort of acting pedigree from which she comes from. She threatens to be more like her aunt than she does her dad, if you follow that drift.
0: Is her dad in this? Because, of course, this is a film that's been released. So you would expect A. Roberts to be in it. No. Because he's Eric, been in it every film yeah, Eric ever.
1: Roberts is not in this, sadly. They missed a trick. Oh, his there.
0: IMDb is insane. It,
1: it is It yeah. doesn't like 200 films in it. It's, Oh, it's way over. The well, last day. time we checked, it was 150, and that was a couple of months ago, so it's got to be 200 by now. I will check later. Okay. So, um, you've got, of course, she teams up with Dave Franco, who is another player of the game, and the pair basically soon discover that the game starts out all well and good. You know, mm. kiss a stranger for $500, try on a dress for $2,000, and of course, it quickly goes pear shaped. It quickly goes very dark very quickly. And uh, it is quite fun. It plays like cheap thrills meets the purge by way of the Instagram generation. And I'm fine with that, particularly yeah, because quite that's it. Yeah. There's also something quite strangely franchise-friendly about it in the way that the Purge is. So in mm. the way that the purge kind of works that you can just churn out another film every year. Yeah, do you, you think you, they could do, you could do this again that. just with different people? Yes. Yeah. On a bigger scale. On a bigger, And this is the thing though, because you are sitting think, actually, this is a teen thriller, whereas, you know, the, the, the purge is arguably sort of an adult thriller. Absolutely. There's yeah. a chance here to actually come up with an age appropriate uh counterpart. Mm. So there's, there's that's kind of interesting there. Um it does also strangely feature um an on screen reunion for um I don't remember the name of the character, but Pousse and her <laughs> girlfriend from Orange. Uh, and the oh, new black. I've forgotten her name. Uh Kamiko Glenn, I believe is the name of the actress. Yeah. Samara Wiley and Kamiko Glenn yeah. are reunited. On, is amazing. But never in the same scene. Which is a shame. Oh, that is a shame. I know. A near-miss. A near-miss. Almost, but not quite. So one of the great love stories of uh, of, uh, of on, dem- on demand yeah. TV, <laughs> it's never gonna get resolved on screen. Um I like the film very much. It's got a great soundtrack to it. It's all electropop and EDM, and it strangely works. You've got a very sharp script by uh, Jessica Shazer, I believe her name is, who's uh, one of the writers from American Horror Story. Yeah, I thought I recognised that. And she knows what she's going for. She plays it well. She's actually, impressively as well, bothered to research any of the technological stuff that's in it, which I think is very rare. Um, Directorially, they've gone for the style of high-end YouTube video, and it works. The performances work. It's strange seeing Juliette Lewis now old enough to play someone's mum. But aside from that, I can <laughs> deal. Um, that's it. I kind of liked it. There's a, a suspension of disbelief that's involved because it's a teen thriller. There's always that. yeah. But for the most part, it does actually play out quite well. If you can get past a couple of small logic lapses, for instance, how is a game that's meant to be secret possibly getting away with it when you emblazon its name on a building? I was kind
0: of thinking about that. That is in the trailer. It's in the trailer. Yeah.
1: You're like, this, this game's meant to be a secret, right? I'm sure the film's going to explain yeah. it. No, it doesn't.
0: But if you let your logic yeah. if you, if you, be you, suspended for yeah. the If you're going to do yeah. that,
1: then avoid the film like the plague. I liked it, though. I liked it for yeah. what it was. It was a cheap, cheerful, down and dirty little thrill. Little thriller. This is a bit
0: of a bizarre mm. week. All the films so far sound pretty good. It's not that they're good, it's that they're. Or just, yeah, just sound fairly decent.
1: Better than average, I would say. Just than average, faintly yeah. better than average. So, I mean, speaking of which, by the way, we should probably finish the Box Office Top 10 for the week. Number five Star, Star- Trek Tri- Beyond!
0: Yeah, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a button.
1: I'm a button, I'm a button. No, I, I like Star Trek Beyond. Uh, yeah, me, Cal- too, me too. Calvin finally saw it this week and raved about it. Oh, did he, he really enjoy he it? He loved it. I, he seems to have only just gotten into Star Trek in general, though. Oh
0: so interesting. I, I don't think he'd seen he, the, he the original is, series he before He is recently. quite a bit younger than us, though.
1: So. He, he is, he is. Um... I say, I like the film very much. I have issues with it. I think Scotty's got too big a role. I think there's certain plot elements that are cast aside a little too easily. But I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it as a sci-fi thrill ride mm. and really doesn't need to be anything more. Number four. The BFG. Which, again, I really liked. I actually saw this again on my birthday. Yeah, what are <laughs> you saying. Yeah. And Again, I, I, I think it's uh, it's got its heart in the right place. It manages to be both a Spielberg film and a Roald Dahl film at the same time, which is a very difficult mm. balancing act, mm. actually, to pull off. But all of it hinges on Mark Rylance as the BFG and I think he is terrific uh it was pointed out to me by uh, by my better half that the giants weren't scary enough but uh, i did <laughs> must, say, get scary yeah, must get scary giants must get scary giants <laughs> always be scary um i do however really like uh the young girl who plays uh, plays the, the plays the lead character in this i think she's terrific mm. um the film though for me <clears throat> won me over wholeheartedly number three jason Bourne, which is you know it, it, it's let's go around again it's that yeah. the movie. Let's
0: have our three requisite action pieces. Yeah, Let's string them together. It's,
1: it's we got this action sequence. Here you go. Here's him destroying someone with a lamp. He's got to punch someone. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's him beating someone to death with an item of stationery. And yeah. then, and then there's a there's a very visceral car chase. And yeah, and all the way through, you're just thinking with an item of stationery. Yeah, there's always an item of stationery in a, in a Bourne movie. Have you ever noticed I'd that?
0: I'd love to see Jason Bourne versus What's-His-Name-From-Office-Space. <laughs> Milton.
1: <laughs> but no, it's, if you like Bourne, you're going to love it. If you don't like Bourne, you're not going to get anything new from it. Number two. Finding Dory. Which is terrific. Have you seen Finding Dory yet? No, Van, because, you know,
0: uh, when I said I was going to just have like a film... Film day. Yeah. Didn't happen because I'm getting married over the weekend. So well, that, that'll, that'll teach you. That will teach that, me to propose. What an idiot.
1: I know. That, yeah. that, that will teach you. Um, it is fun, though. It's a worthy sequel. It's not as terrific as the first movie, but it's pretty close. It's, yeah. it's close enough. It's missing about 10% emotion. There's about ten percent emotional difference that that stops it from being every bit as good, and but you know what? At least it's got Ed O'Neill and Ty Burrell from Modern Family reunited on screen, that's good. and they and they both steal the show entirely.
0: Number one. Okay, you can have a little bit of time to rant about this Suicide Squad, which I
1: I didn't hate. I I, want to stress, I didn't hate, I didn't like it in any way either. It was, you know, it basically it's like making a version of Escape from New York for idiots. Really? um, I
0: thought that that's what the second Escape film was. (laughs) I I promise you, that that film looks like Black Hawk Down compared to this. Really? That film hasn't got uh, Jack Courtney as Captain Boomerang, who I've heard isn't actually terrible.
1: Oh no, he's pretty terrible. He's pretty terrible. I think he seems
0: well cast, though, because Captain Boomerang is a scumbag, and Jai Courtney he's seems well, like a bit well of a skeezy cast dude. He's well
1: as a skeezy loser who has nothing to contribute to proceedings. I, I will give him that. <laughs> Terminate Genesis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I will also say, uh, I can never pronounce his name, but the guy who plays Killer Croc. Oh, uh, I need to learn that. I need to learn it as well. Points. Will Smith yeah. can do it like that. Really? According to me inf- Will Smith can just, just But presumably he he knows a dude now, <laughs> exactly. so he's probably told him. Um yeah, his his role verges on one of the most offensively racist things you've seen in a mainstream film in a good few years. Really? And that's it's and how they go about it is very concerning. Um let's see, Katana's there purely to mope <laughs> over a dead husband. Harley Quinn's there purely to play to a certain what do they call it? There, there is actually a porn term that Calvin used to describe. Not offensive to say out loud, but something like "daddy girl" kind of thing. Right. It's, it's all about that. The less said about Jared Leto's version of the Joker, the better. You have ever you... seen an episode of *Dora the Explorer*? Uh, yeah, I have. You know how twice, Swiper yeah. just sw- just pops up here and there. Swiper keep swiping. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Joker in this. <clears throat> right. That okay. is those Joker, like Swiper.
0: Have you, you can... seen the Rick Ross uh, *Skrillex*? Uh, music video oh oh, I have purple Lamborghini and
1: no oh. no no that's, that's oh, it's so wrong but that is Batman and Robin levels been embarrassing so the film works because basically Will Smith being Will Smith Viola Davis is being Viola freaking yeah, Davis they have charisma and Margot Robbie is at least giving it her all in a good way I mean she, she's clearly quite an underrated actress is giving it her all in a level that suggests she's trying for Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns I like as that. Harley Quinn yeah. and I'm all for that the problem is the character isn't any good Hmm. So but that's not I that's
0: guess It's not, not her really fault. her fault. Isn't that's it? not her fault. Yeah.
1: But you know what? They are the three shining sparks. In the end of it all, I came away and I thought, actually, I like Ben Affleck's Batman a lot more now than I did during Batman Superman because at least now I get what the character's meant to be going for. Hmm. No more of the ruthless neck snapping Judge Dredd type thing. He's actually Batman. He's in actually Batman. He's then. more Batman in Suicide well, I, Squad I than that in that his, his own I about Justice League. Oh it. yeah. Yeah. Um. And then you just sit there and think, yeah, but <laughs> the Joker and. All the other things that are just horrible about it. And...
0: Is it that we've just been a bit spoiled with jokers in the past?
1: It's not even that. The problem, like, I mean, let me put it to you this way Cara Delavine is one of the least compelling screen presences you've ever seen. The fact that she plays a character called the Enchantress is almost she ironic. Can, she because... can just
0: go and vanish up her own eyebrows so while I care. Like well, like, there's
1: nothing enchanting about Cara Delavine in this film. She is just awful. No. And I mean genuinely awful. Her version of supernatural and menacing just looks like. I can't walk in these heels. Right. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It just looks like she is wobbling in some dodgy heels. Okay,
0: well, speaking about her, let's just end on this. Um, did you hear what uh, what she said when the critical backlash started about Suicide Squad?
1: I, I, I did hear, and I've forgotten it. Go on, you, you probably yeah, remember. Okay, it. so
0: she said that um, she thought the critics were being especially horrible and nasty. Yeah. Which, were, you know, we're kind of proving a point a little bit. But she also said that critics don't like superhero films, or mustn't like superhero films... We do. We, we do we, like we, super- we do. We do.
1: We like really good ones. Yeah. Typically they're ones that begin with a Marvel badge at the beginning, unless it's <laughs> Fantastic Four, uh a couple of the X-Men movies I mean, there are like, the
0: mm. a bunch of DC films that we like there's a bunch is. of non-Marvel or DC I do want to point out like.
1: though, this is not the worst film you've ever seen Suicide Squad no. is not the worst film you've ever no. seen there are worse X-Men movies, there are genuinely worse X-Men movies, like yeah. Last, Last Stand X-Men The Last Stand is a worst movie than Suicide Squad mm. but the problem is, that doesn't mean Suicide Squad's any good, it's really not With the latest film news and reviews this is Offscreen the on-screen radio show and we're back and dancing. So let's uh, have a look at Mike and Dave, shall we?
0: Yeah, I've seen it. You, you've I seen it. I've seen so this film.
1: That's it. We actually saw it on the same day in different cities. So. Yeah, which is strange. <laughs> <laughs> which is a nice experience. So Mike and Dave need wedding mm-hmm. days, which, I mean, you will, you will know this having seen the film mm-hmm. as well. It is actually based on a true story. It is, sort of. They sort, say. of yeah. sort of. So the idea in both the film and reality is that you had two brothers who were riling up rile each other up at all family events. Yeah, so and barbecue, 4th of
0: July. Yeah, yeah.
1: They, they basically always wind up destroying family events because they're kind of boisterous and they get each other going. And the idea is that their family tell them, look, no more, your sister's getting married, you need to bring dates. You need to bring nice girls, yeah. nice dates, that you will behave in front of. And what begins then is a Craigslist ad, which goes viral, which leads to them appearing on talk shows, which leads to the introduction of two... How would you describe them? Two kind of slacker-like, hedonistic girls? Yeah, that, that would describe them quite That would. Really, yeah. So you've got Mike and Dave, who are played by Adam Devine and Zach Efron, or Zephron as we call him. Zephron. The girls, in this case, are Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick, who... It seems like they've worked together before, but they haven't. I think it's because they always star in the same kind of roles all the mm. time. But zephron and Obi Plaza were in uh, Bad Grandpa together. At uh, Dirty Grandpa, Dirty Grandpa, Bad Grandpa. I'm saying the... Bad Neighbors, aren't I? Yeah,
0: yeah. Dirty Grandpa, that's it, it, one, it, yeah. You see,
1: this is a problem. This is all getting confused, and there is a point about that. Yeah, we will come to that. We will come to a very important point on that. Um, So, you've got the two slacker girls who really just want a holiday in Hawaii where this wedding is taking Mm. place, and so pretend to be nice girls in order to win over the boys and basically go along on this Sarah Marshall like (laughs) excursion during which, wouldn't you know it, they're actually going to change everyone for the better, almost incidentally. Here's a clip of the two girls basically setting about their cunning ruse.
0: You're a (laughs) schoolteacher?
1: Wow. Oh, I think they spelled frittata wrong in the menu. I always notice words and spelling because I'm a teacher and that's what I do.
0: That's... <laughs> so, Alice, um, uh, what do you do? Manage a hedge fund. You manage a hedge fund? I don't even know what a hedge fund is. Oh, so there's a regular fund, and then there's a hedge fund. And uh, our, our fund, uh, we hedge it, we hedge it hard. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I get in in the morning and I'm like, you know, how's the hedging coming? You know, you've been hedging, you hedged much, and uh, it's like too big to fail, corporate greed, bailouts. In a New York Minute, everything can change, you know, on the floor of the NASDAQ in the UN, and then
1: Fannie Mae, Bernie Mac, D.L. Hughley. Oh, so you want some water? Yeah. That's so smart. That is. What unfortunately isn't very smart is this film in general. Um, The problem is, as we just pointed out, we're getting all the titles confused of all the films it's referencing because... They're so interchangeable. They are now. This is so the thing. We've seen every th- every component of the film mm. you've seen done by the same person yeah. in another film.
0: And it's one of those comedies where there's just references to things like Apple Pay and, yes. and, and Uber and Tinder and it, within it, it like 15 minutes. It is.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I noticed that as well. And the problem is, you've seen Aubrey Plaza do this role better in Dirty Grandpa. You've seen Anna Kendrick do this role better in Pitch Perfect. Mm. You've seen uh, Zach Efron do this role better in Bad Neighbours. Uh, Adam Devine does Workaholics, has a whole TV series yeah. where he does this. And. Also, he's great in Modern Family. And he's pretty good in Pitch Perfect as well. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And by the end of it all, you just think, I feel like I'm watching a greatest hits. Mm. Uh, The Hawaiian setting just takes you to Sarah Marshall, or if you want to go a little bit further back, something like The Heartbreak Kid. And this is the point, you keep thinking, I've just seen this done. All of it I've seen done. And it it doesn't quite work on its own merits, save for the fact that that it's just funny enough. It's not hilarious. Nobody mm. is ever going to come out of this film and go, "That was brilliant." Can't wait to recommend it to my friends. Exactly. Five stars on the iTunes review. You know, no one is that a thing. ITunes? I, don't know. I don't know. It's going to be um, two stars on your Netflix account, I think. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the thing, as you put it, though. If it were on Netflix, you, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd give it a watch. You'd give it a watch on Netflix and not think anything of it. But yeah. if you'd actually ventured out to the multiplex and seen this, which we actually did, <laughs> I saw it for free, so that's
0: all right. I, I didn't lose everything. <laughs> that's fair enough I would have been annoyed if I paid for it yeah,
1: yeah I think I would have as well I mean that's, that's one of Alan's frequent questions to me yes but would you have paid to see it
0: yeah it's a very good question and it is it, yeah. it
1: genuinely is But, but um,
0: uh... it, it does finish where there is a reference about Game of Thrones and we have said this yeah. many times haven't we but like it's Whenever the lowest it's common a, denominator yeah, of, we're, of we're comedies. Yeah, we're waiting for the Game of Thrones reference. It is. It's the yeah. lowest
1: common denominator of comedies now is, we want to appeal to the masses, people like Game yeah. of Thrones. It's like, here we're
0: going to talk about Pokemon Go. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, really, yeah. really
1: patronizing, yes, really really patronising, isn't it? But uh, yeah, the problem is, it's not that it's awful, it's that it's been done to death yeah. by the same people who are doing it again. Yeah, And, and there is. I, mean, I love Hobby Plaza to death. But there's only so much I can take of her doing the same, the same thing over thing, and over. Yeah. It really is. But uh, so let's uh, see what else we've got this week. Oh, we've got to talk about James Corden real quick.
0: Oh yeah, what's uh, this? He, what is he's this? got
1: a project, which is other than his amazingly successful show. Yes, other than yeah. the talk show, which is apparently just the greatest thing ever, and we watch it. So. He was
0: on the cover of a magazine, uh, GQ, but I saw today. Wow. And it, the cover said, "Mr. America: How James Corden Became the Most Powerful Man." on US television. That's and it. it's, kind true.
1: Of, it's kind of it's true. kind of true. So, um, James Gordon and Rose Byrne are going to provide are going to star in a new adaptation of Peter Rabbit. Yeah, I can and see that Roseburn's going to be in live action James Corden's going to be the voice of Peter Rabbit He's yeah. going to be uh, Russell Brand in Hop Exactly, yeah. that's exactly what it's going to be No Cyclops for him though He just gets, <laughs> he gets more him at Taggart instead so. yeah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that's alright That's all that's right. how it works So um, we got to put the podcast again If you want to hear the extended stuff Which you don't get to review in the show Which this week is going to include Ingrid Bergman in her own words uh, The Confessions, a documentary about Moaz and Beg uh, What else have we got? Oh, Wiener Dog, Valley of Love We've got to talk about all that Wiener Dog sounds particularly particularly interested yeah I can't wait to discuss that with you but yeah, yeah go on and download the, the podcast it's free cost nothing uh, Yeah, it's a nice little handy subscription to have on your phone That's Um, rich. and go to you know Deezer iTunes uh, Acast all, all the podcast platforms just go on there and look for the off-screen podcast and yeah so you know we've got interesting stuff to come on that we've got interesting stuff to come not next week because we're off next week because yeah. you like a chump decide to go and get married I mean what is well, wrong what with were me? you thinking I know and you know looking Should've at, just looking at how often your phone's going off you know, I'm betting you're probably regretting it <laughs> My phone's actually gone off twice today With people asking questions about the wedding It's true, my phone's going off yeah. and People asking. In fact, only. my
0: wife-to-be is sat downstairs It's very That's, true It, it begins, it it's true.
1: So, um, yeah, we've got, we've got a we got week got next off week? next week We are oh, going to be back week, yeah. We're going to be back on the 26th mm. So, we, we, the question becomes How much do we catch up with when we're away The week we're back The new releases are War Dogs Jonah Hill Miles yeah. Teller Let's see about that. Let's see about that. <laughs> your your
0: favorite? My
1: favorite actor. Have you, have you seen Miles Teller recently? No. Dyed
0: bleach blonde. Yeah, hair.
1: I did see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. No. interesting look. Bold, bold
1: look. A rose by any other name. Um <laughs> we've got um the purge election year. That's me that week.
0: I'm quite looking forward to. That. I am as well. Yeah, I enjoyed the last
1: one. We have Julietta, the new. Uh, is it a Uh Yes, it is. is yeah, Moldova, but it's, it's serious. Moldova. It's serious. Okay, we have Cell, with Mr. Cusack, Mr. Jackson, and Mr. King reunited yeah. in a new non-1408 package. This has been on the cards for a while. I've it thought. has. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's been about five years. So to to make that one. Um, We've got Brotherhood, the latest from uh, Noel, Noel Clark, Burke, the, yeah. the third in the Kidulthood trilogy, I believe.
0: Does that include? doesn't include Another Hood We're
1: not including Another Hood That's uh, to be Adam Deacon No, the woman from Lionsgate uh, w- was very snippy with me When I brought oh, really? that up the other day and No, so no, no. it is not to be mentioned in the same sentence uh, But of course, the big release of that week Is one that you and I know very well Which is of course This is my really bad Drum roll. Hot Star Never Stop Never Stopping which is the Lonely Island movie which we have seen yeah. and we are very much looking forward to reviewing because there's a lot of fun to be had I've, just in reviewing I've it I've
0: seen it twice
1: I'm still looking forward to, to review it but of yeah. course while we're away the films out include Swallows and Amazons with Rafe Spore mm. which has reduced grown men that I know to tears yeah
0: I've heard very very good things about we've it we've
1: got The Childhood of a Leader I know nothing about it. I her. believe this is about young Hitler uh, we <laughs> right. have yeah. okay. we have the horror movie Lights Out which looks, I've heard good things looks about, intriguing. About being produced by, by James Wan yes so well, it looks I, yeah. intriguing we've got nine lives Kevin Spacey <laughs> becomes a cat with Christopher Walken of <laughs> course with Christopher Walken because what could possibly oh Robbie Amell Robbie Amell is his son really in the... yeah Robbie Amell is and British also
0: son. uh, Barry Sonfeld has directed it oh man there's a lot of pedigree there's a I lot know. of pedigree
1: uh, totally. we also have Almost Holy don't know what that one is I'm not but of course I think we all know the big one which is going to dominate the box office next week which is of course David Brent's Life on the Road I'm not gonna say anything about. I'm just. I'm gonna have to see it my own time because it'll be in the top ten that week. So yeah,
0: I'm. I'm (laughs) excited about it.
1: Okay, you. You you weirdo. So were you
0: not a fan? Are you not a fan of David Brown?
1: No, it is. It's Ricky Gervais. I don't like Ricky Gervais.
0: I've
1: so we've got all those to come and more next week off screen uh, this has been a Candy Store Book for on screen I've been Van Connor. I've been as always Case Allen and we leave you with the knowledge this week that not only we'd be getting Fantastic Beasts this year not only will you as we revealed previously be getting Fantastic Beasts 2 in another two years time but it turns out that you're also getting a Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them Part 3 in 2020 which means if you're a gambling man you could probably hedge your bets that 2022 and 2024 are going to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child back in multiplexes we'll be back the week after next just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way you've been listening to Offscreen for more news and reviews visit onscreenfilm.com Mr. Alan, it's time for podcast extras. Let's do it. So, okay, we're going we to talk about some film news and chuck in the last couple of reviews that we couldn't do. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about Suicide Squad having a bit of a rough time.
0: It certainly has. Uh, it. I don't just mean more, because more I've seen it. <laughs> because you've just slammed it on it,
1: but uh, no, um, it's it's not going to get released in China apparently. No, this has been a
0: running thing for a while. As yeah. a few different films, Ghostbusters was the last big notable one. But the thing
1: course. with Ghostbusters is because it, vi- it involved the supernatural, and that was a whole thing that the Chinese uh, film board don't allow films that uh, deal with the occult, for instance. Though, which you think, okay, I kind of understand that. With uh, Suicide Squad, apparently it's down to its dark and negative tone. Notice no Marvel films have ever been <laughs> yeah,
0: cut from China. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought it was because of um no, uh, is, a, is is it Enchantress?
1: I, 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 I would have thought. it was I that, would yeah. have assumed it was the Enchantress and the fact that she's quite a supernatural, you know, supernaturally charged yeah. character. That's just it's why, it's it? not. It's not apparently there. Um so no, it might not get uh, released in China. If it does, the earliest it could get a release date would put it two weeks before Doctor Strange. Although that then does have, that beg the question of is Doctor Strange getting a Chinese yeah. release? Because I can't quite imagine definitely... that one. I mean, it's magic. Do the Chinese have a think about magic as well? or I, I don't know.
0: Well, Mads Mikkelsen, his character, it's meant to be... He's more of like an occult. Yeah, bent, I, would say. yeah. I, I
1: honestly have no idea. We'll see. There's, also, be future film news. there's also been um, a dropping of the film by the second biggest cinema chain in Mexico, apparently over some sort yeah. of industrial dispute over the terms. Because Suicide Squad is released apparently by Universal in Mexico. And I know it's weird. What? And they've apparently That's been strange. messing around with the distribution terms. And uh, yeah, so half half of the two big chains in uh, Mexico will not be screening Suicide Squad. That's really weird. They've had to refund thousands of tickets, apparently. Oh, man. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, not really going through the best time, have they? No, not, not really. <laughs> no, uh, David have as well. He was on Twitter. Um, oh, God. Yeah. He...
1: Have you seen the Dianna thing?
0: I've not seen I'll uh, we'll, we'll oh. talk. Oh, actually I think I might have just he's, seen that.
1: He's he's come out in the last twenty four hours and said, Oh, actually our Joker is our Joker and Harley, they're they're based on uh De Antwood, And oh, and his videos and comparison images that kind of show why. And you're like, No, 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 no. That's not where you're supposed to draw inspiration from. Because oh, one man. has nothing to do with the other. And believe me, it's one of those things that when someone points it out one to one is you, in Chappie. Yeah. When you've <laughs> seen the film though and someone points that out to you, like, Oh my god, I see it now. And no. No, I mean what,
0: the thing that I'd seen he was just uh, defending the film and saying the usual stock answer of I did it for the fans and I had a good time <laughs> which is it's always what what we say and I know. um I don't know I mean I've I've got to reserve it until I've got to reserve my own judgment until I see the film for myself
1: which is fair enough which is absolutely fair. Yeah. Enough. So let's talk real quickly then about Valley of Love.
0: Okay, I don't know anything
1: about it. Right, okay. okay, prepare to have your mind blown just a little bit. Okay. Okay. So Gerard Butler. not Gerard Butler. Sorry. Wrong. wrong Gerard. <laughs> My mind already. Sorry. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. Not Gerard Butler. <laughs> Those are two very different <laughs> men. Two very very different. Um, yeah. Gerard Depardieu and uh, Isabel Hubbard play themselves. Right. They play right. fictionalized versions of themselves. Who and they are also That's cool. right. They are they are yeah. a divorced couple who reunite. In, they, they're playing themselves, they are actors, they are established famous stars, hmm. they're also a divorced couple. They reunite in the, in the Death Valley of California six months after the, the suicide of their adult son in San Francisco. It turns out that prior to his death, their son had sent them both notes, sent them both a letter each, hmm. detailing a number of different points in Death Valley that they had to go and visit at a certain time on a certain day, if they want to see him again. But he's. But, but it, he's dead. It, it, yeah. Okay, and and so they go, and they of course over the course of the week that they spend together, like they, a
0: morbid sort of treasure hunt,
1: kind of like yeah. that, yeah. Over the course of the week that they spend together, they start to reconnect, they start to address certain life issues they have, their own uh, their own you know self contained family problems, etc. And uh, Gerard Eppard is struggling with uh, an early cancer diagnosis, for instance, and what that could mean for him, and yeah, and meanwhile there is this ethereal treasure hunt for their dead son and it is conceptually it's bizarre because it hops from being a black comedy at one point to being an emotional family drama to being the sixth sense and it goes every which way but loose there is a sequence in this straight out of Twin Peaks and okay. I am not kidding. <laughs> there is a sequence of, with, with The Apartheid where you're watching and thinking, I don't know what the, what, what the implication of this the sequence is. Is it a Twin Peaks type thing? I, I'm kind of confused by it. It's one of those films that you can't immediately walk out of and go, oh, I loved it or I hated it. Mm. Because I don't think you would do either. It's a film that you do have to sit and think on. And you have to process. And you have to really mediate your thoughts mm. on it. And... I think, for the most part, I mean, you come. I, I've come away with it and just thought, you know what? It is a really interesting film because I can't remember the last time a film asked me to think about it this much. At least one the way I wasn't thinking about the the, the plot mechanics, where I'm thinking about the theology of the film, where I'm thinking about the actual text of it. Mm. I can't remember the last time I heard that, and I'm I'm intrigued by it. The performances are terrific. Um, there's something about Gerard you back on screen again that I've, he's, I've missed. He's him. got a
0: Netflix original show called Marseille that I've I've not seen yet, but I've heard pretty good things about it. Yeah. French language. I also. mean,
1: it is funny, and yeah. they are they do play the laughs quite well. There's a moment when uh, when they meet up for the first time, and, and Hubbard asks Gerard Poggett, "What's new with you?" And he says, oh, "I got fat." And you think he, he did? Oh, yeah. weirdly, that's kind of what everyone says about it. Right? <laughs> yeah, but like, What's oh. he been doing lately? Getting fat? Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot to that. I, there is a, a charm to their performances. There's a lot of heart to it, and they they have a re- They have really investable chemistry. They have a really solid chemistry between them that really sells the film. It is one of the more outlandish things you're gonna see this year. Mm. But uh, I, I did, I, I was interested by it, and I, I was thinking about it when I left. It's written and directed by uh, Ghislaine Nickleau, whose work I'm not terribly familiar with. He's dedicated no, not to his father, so I assume that there's some sort of emotional catharsis yeah. involved. Um, but say, it is a film that will leave you thinking about it, in a good way, in, in the best possible hmm. way, you'll be pondering it for days. It, 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 but you, right, it is, you do need that sometimes. Yeah, it's what, a couple of days later now, and I've still not reached the stage of I love it or hate it. I'm, so, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I yeah. like that about it. Yeah, and sometimes you need that. You need to see the film again,
0: and then you'll make uh, a yeah. proper kind of decision on it, proper conclusion. Yeah, Instead exactly. of Mike, Mike and Dave, which you,
1: <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you don't need wedding dates, guys. You need a scriptwriter. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things. But oh, uh, uh, speaking of yeah. um, of uh, scriptwriters, uh oh no, this hasn't been revealed by a scriptwriter. It has now come out in an interview that there is going to be a, an appearance by an old Star Wars character in Rogue One. And I know who it is. Do you know who it is? Yeah. It's none other than Jimmy Smits. Now, this is the thing because most people it's don't. Be Matt Santos. It. Most people don't remember that Jimmy Smits was in the Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> But he was. He's he's yeah, Celsior He's officer. Quite a big part, really. With quite an yeah. integral part. He's Leia's dad. Yeah. Which means, of course, that we know he's going to die a horrible death in mm. a decade, again, decades' time, when uh, you know when the Death Star rolls around. <laughs> But uh, yes, Jimmy Smith is going to appear as uh, Senator Bail Organa, or AKA Leia's dad, in Rogue One. So we all have got that to look forward to. I'm wondering who else they're going to chuck in now. You know, there's going to be a, like a background cameo for R2 and 3PO at some point.
0: Well, obviously, yeah, it's clearly yeah, it happen. always happens. Yeah. but uh, I have a just a small bit of uh, uh, film news about uh, Brie Larson. Oh yes, our new, uh, brand new uh, Marvel superhero, Captain Marvel.
1: Very true. Are you? Are you hoping, by the way, that come Saturday she shows up and bangs on the glass uh, during the ceremony? Yeah, like uh, absolutely. Cassius, Cassius. <laughs> we have like a bit of a Mrs. Robinson,
0: Wayne's World two moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I'd be like, oh, actually no, I'll, I'll just go back and see Cass. Uh, Sorry, that's, Brie. That's fair enough. Cause yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I would love
1: that, the image I've, is great. Yeah, I know that she doesn't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> really, I've written her. I'm just saying, I've written her. On, on my behalf. On your behalf. I include, oh, I include, thank you. I included the pictures. Yeah. Stop um, stop letting me take shirtless boudoir pictures of you. Just just FYI. Wow. Well, but they're my favourite thing to do on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> what news do you have? <laughs> <laughs> we could wax lyrical about this. Yes, we, we really have. could. What okay, so she's
0: going to make in her, uh, her directorial debut with a film called Unicorn Sterile. Unicorn store. Store? Yeah. I don't know really what that means. Okay. There's, I've got a premise for it as well. Go, go on, then. This is from uh, Collider.com. Um, it's going to be about uh, a woman who moves back in with her parents mm-hmm. and suddenly receives an invitation to a store that will test her ideas of what it really means to grow up. Uh, so uh, uh, okay. kind of like a coming-of-age thing when she's already come of age, I guess.
1: That that sounds bizarre. I love it. It does. But oh,
0: yeah. I, I like the idea of... a uh, Directing a film. But,
1: yeah, yeah, that would make sense, especially since she's she, now branching into the more mainstream, populist movies like Captain Marvel. You yeah. think, okay, and she's got an Oscar. She'll she'll yeah. do it all. You're an Oscar winner. You're going to be a Marvel hero. Why not pursue the directorial thing? You notice that uh, you know, Affleck did a kind of similar thing. He he started he took the paycheck stuff when he became Batman. As his directorial <laughs> debut was this is years uh, after paycheck. Well, exactly. And as his, as paycheck. his directorial uh, d- d- directorial work is starting to gain traction, and he had an Oscar too. So he did. Yeah. So you know you yeah. could say. Larry Larson is the new Ben Affleck. Do we want to say about that? Though? No, we don't. We don't, we don't want, don't to, really say want to say that. That is a horrible thing, horrible notion to put into our heads. But uh, let's talk them real quick. Ingrid Bergman in her own words. Mm. This is, <laughs> I promise you're going to love this. Right, so this is a documentary about Ingrid Bergman, naturally enough. It's a sort of biography chronicling um, her sort of early years to, to her death. It is, it utilizes her own actual diary entries, her own thoughts, and they are read out to us. In By way of the voice of Alicia Vikander: interesting. Alicia Vikander is Ingrid Bergman, <laughs> which kind of makes sense because they're both Swedish actresses, and they both kind of have a similar trajectory. Yeah. Um, along the way, they've intercut this with a lot, of because it turns out we very quickly discovered Ingrid Bergman never threw anything away. Never. She evidently had in her possession some absolute treasures that nobody knew still existed. So the film, of course, has access to these and includes them in its, in its repertoire of archival materials. Now, what you've got as well is you've got her entire family included. So it turns out there are other children besides Isabella Rossellini. Right, okay. there are others it seems. And uh, and so we get their opinions as well, we get their thoughts on their late mother. And it's an interesting story. We have a clip. I fell in love with a man
0: that was so different from any other man
1: that I'd ever known. In those days, it was a shock to leave a husband and a child and not deny the baby to be born.
0: It takes courage to take all the makeup off and uh really show what you are one word to define mama i would
1: say child. the only thing that i think any of her children feel is we wish we had more of her so you can see, there is a there is a tone to it that's quite affectionate. There is a sort of there is a lilted love to it all. It's it's not a puff piece. It doesn't feel like a puff piece. And one of the things I really liked about it is it does it does have this this wonderfully refreshing tendency to not basically you know how these things always tend to stray away from the really negative points. This this just charges at them wholeheartedly. Mm. So there are things like her extramarital <laughs> affairs and, and her leaving her first child etc in which the the actual the, the not the good nature of it but the the stark reality of it is acknowledged and it is brought into the, it brought into play and everyone is quite frank about it and quite just really just up front, and it's it's very, very surprising. The decision to use Alicia Vikander as the sort of proxy voice for Ingrid Bergman is very well done, in that it's not in any way distracting. It doesn't feel like stunt casting, mm. in a very strange way. They sound kind of alike, actually, which is weird when you consider that physically they couldn't be more different. Um, there is this really, <laughs> really well-gaged ode to classic Hollywood in there. There is very much a sense of... We're surprised, too, that she kept going away and coming back. And you think, actually, it's good that you've done that. And they have got this sort of rise and fall idea going through, this idea that she kept rising to the top of the Hollywood game and then, you know, popping off for a couple of years. I mean, at one point, she took two years out, I think, because uh, Isabella had scoliosis. She took mm. two years out to, to, to care, off, care for her. And then had to stage a comeback. And she kept staging these comebacks, evidently, so effortlessly that, it stopped becoming a thing. I kind of like that you've gone down that road with it. It's um, written and directed by uh, Steve Yorkman, and I'm not familiar with uh, with their work, but I did think it was really well put together. It's... um it's, it's framed in this way that is designed to make the whole thing, even the talking head teams, look like a sort of classical film. It's four by three ratio, for instance, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. There's a stylistic choice to it, which doesn't feel distracting, doesn't feel out of place. It all works. It all comes together. There is that sort of, you know, that, that violin heavy score which <clears throat> permeates throughout. And yet, at the same time, it doesn't feel so requisitely nauseating as these things tend to. I did like it. I did feel like I came out like, actually, actually, I need to watch more Ingrid Bergman. I'm sure I've only seen about four of them, and she had dozens to her name. So I should probably do a few yeah. more. I need to just consider that there are other Ingrid Bergman films than Casablanca, but it's probably, the
0: one, probably the most famous one.
1: Probably the most famous one. Probably. But no, I did. I did really like it. It's one. of the, it, It's. I mean, it goes without saying. It's the definitive film on Ingrid Bergman. But Hmm. uh, not really a a long line of those ones. Hmm. What have you got in the news then?
0: Okay, so uh, Miles Teller, you know him, you don't love him very much. Nope. Um, He says that he is uh, up for doing a Fantastic Four sequel.
1: Oh, it's good, because I'm not up for watching a Fantastic Four sequel with him in... Never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. (laughs) never never ever gonna happen. No.
0: Especially with Michael B. Jordan uh, playing playing someone in the Marvel...
1: I really wouldn't be surprised now if... Every couple of years, just to keep the rights out of spite, 20th Century Fox just make a short film featuring four just extras. To hold it, yeah, just four extras in a fantastic in Fantastic Four costumes, yeah. eating shawarmas. Eating um, shawarmas. Yeah. <laughs> eating and They just do that so they can have got like the rights. kebabs or something. Yeah. yeah, they just have the rights every four years simply by doing that. Right. Because that film was so utterly awful. Yeah. I mean, God. God. Yeah, I mean, we've
0: been talking about it for a year, but we're we're still talking about it. That's how that's and how bad long it's lasted, lasted. for. That's how, that's how long it is. But um, in other sequel news and- Sequels that potentially aren't going to happen. Uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. What's so we won't talk that? about so, Okay. So it has now been reported that it's uh, lost seventy million dollars oh, wow. since release. Um, this is because the China thing more than anything. this is probably because of the China. They were thing, banking really. quite. Yeah. Quite uh, on Paul Feig said to be uh, considered a successful film. Mm. They wanted to get in the region of about five hundred. They've not done that by some way. So worldwide, it's about. Two twenty-five, I mean, something g- like that. Give
1: Ghostbusters its due. It does have some legs. I mean, it, there is some legs to so, me. I mean, it. It's, it's, it's still there for us yeah. in the UK, but I, I'm not sure what it is in the States. No. I don't know if
0: it's already dropped out. or And, and yeah, China, like you said, that's hurt it think The China
1: thing didn't so hurt it, as crippled yeah. China but. crisis, if you will. If you will. Let's yeah. uh, see what I've got said. here as well. Oh, Luke Evans has got an interesting new project.
0: Yeah, what is this?
1: Right, This is called State Like Sleep. No, that annoys is... me, but that's not the other way around. Sleep like state. Yeah. <laughs> state like sleep. Um, this is going to star Michael Shannon and Ben Foster. I'm in. <laughs> right. And this is the story of a woman trying to trying to investigate the murder of her husband and it's the involvement of a seedy yet high end gentleman's club, the manager of which Mark Shannon? No. Luke Evans? Oh, really? So, yeah. Okay. I know. I would have gone. With I would have Scham- gone with Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Shannon. I'd really... have put him in full pimp gear as well. Oh my god! Give like... him a big fluffy coat, <laughs> a hat with a feather. You know, just basically just... give him the Joker's costume from Suicide Squad. <laughs> And what the weird metallic <laughs> yeah. leather purple thing? The, the Diane would, uh, yeah, that could have worked. Oh, worked.
0: I can't wait to see Suicide Squad just to have a proper discussion. I think we need to set aside an entire day.
1: I think we, podcast extras? Just podcast extras. An entire thing. Yeah, let's we could do, do that. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So let's uh, talk Don't real forget. quickly then about The Confession. Okay. It right. conf- was, was a confession off. The Confession, colon, living the war on terror. Ah. Which is it's actually a Storyville uh, documentary. It is um, right. It's uh, written and directed by uh, the first time documentary feature maker Ashish Gadali. and this is the story of Moaz and Beg. Now you might know Moaz and Beg's actual story because it was it was very tabloid friendly at the time. He was he was uh, I would say a sort of an Islamic protester of hmm. sorts and he was detained he was one of the first britons to be detained by the cia in bagram and guantanamo bay and i'll tell you what we have a clip let's we'll play a clip real quick and the the whole film is an interview with moaz intercut with archival footage in which he outlines his story everything that happened to him from beginning to end the right to self-defense is not the right to offend
0: Coming into conflict with the West would also mean coming into conflict with home. That's something I've never ever
1: wanted or advocated. The government has a narrative that this is all about ideology. It's about my belief, about my religion. And I'm saying to you, no, it's not. It's about torturing and bombing and abusing and killing and imprisoning without charge or trial. The state was flying into confrontation with me. This taps into a relatively forgotten real-world issue, which films haven't really dealt with, and that's the idea of rendition. So rendition, which obviously is the title of a it 2007, 2008 film starring Reese Witherspoon... Was Jake Gyllenhaal in that as well? Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal yes, I was remember in that. that. Yes. Yeah, that was a while ago. And it was a real sort of disposable, throwaway <clears throat> drama that I think they were banking on for Oscar Oscar Fodder, but it never quite got there. Yeah, didn't traction. Uh, Rosewater kind of kind of touched on this as well recently. The John the Stewart, George Stewart
0: play. yeah, of course.
1: And this, it, it on the one hand, is a genuinely insightful, gripping. Tense and suspenseful look at the the victim 's side of the rendition process, and it 's aided immeasurably by the fact that marenberg is a brilliant public speaker he mm. he 's a great narrator he can tell a fantastic story. However, it is undone continuously by his own habit of neglecting to include details which well i 'm trying to think how to put this delicately put him in less than a shine him in, in less than a spectacular light there is a moment earlier and to the credit of Godali, the director he does set him straight but he has to keep doing it and that mm. becomes a problem because you do feel then like there is an element of deception at work there is a moment when he describes the first time he was actually arrested he says okay so I was at the airport and I was, I was going and then they detained me and the director has to stop and he's like well I don't know hang on a minute I think you're leaving something out where were you going I was going to Turkey. Right, why were you going to... Oh, so I could go over the border and talk to Al-Qaeda. Yeah, it's because you exclude these details that you, you get us as the audience to mm. basically turn against you, and you don't want that. No. Now, as a character in Well, as a, as a man and an interview subject in and of himself, he walks the, a very fine line with something of an imbalance. He seems to keep teetering. He never falls, but he teeters. And the two sides of this line are... You know, inc- admirable idealist, but also woefully naive. Mm. And the problem is, he never quite seems to get his balance right between the two. He stumbles constantly now the film itself as, as a film as a product in and of itself it works it is gripping you're not going to look away despite the fact that the majority of it is literally a man at a desk talking to you great you can work and he is an intriguing interview subject he really is and his story is genuinely terrifying however that terror is continuously undone by yeah just because the bit that you skipped over and for a ninety-minute film that's trying to elicit a certain level of sympathy from you, mm. that undoes its point over and over again, and I feel really bad about it <laughs> because I said, I think you you've gone through what's clearly a horrible experience. However, I can't sit here and say, based on the things that you're you know you're telling us after you've left them out, that there's not entirely a smoke and fire situation here. Yeah, you can't empathise really. That, it's not that you can't empathise; it's that you debate whether or not you should be. All right, and that's a problem because it didn't need that. You you feel, in one sense, that if he had just come out with everything straight off the bat, if he didn't have to keep stopping to be reminded that he's been doing it, that, yeah. he's been deliberately leaving these things out. So then, you've, you've got more of a problem with the man than the film, would you say? I think. So. I think. I, yeah. I think so. I mean, case in point, uh, he at one point he travels to I think it's Syria, mm. and he's he's very clear about why. He travels to Syria to uh to do charitable work in the name of you know in the name of religious interests, helping the victims of was it was it ISIS? I think it was ISIS. And he went, he took a generator with him. He took a generator and he took food and medical supplies and, yeah. and educational supplies. And at the end of the day, he was accused of of actually training ISIS. So I thought ISIS arcade okay, forget. Okay. Um and you think, okay. Yeah. Can you not at some point see how that's a very easy mistake to make? And, you know, his response is, as he says in the clip, the government has a narrative, they just want to push this agenda. Yes, but you at no point are accepting that that they could very easily have made this mistake. And I understand, obviously, it went very far, and that's horrifying, and it's a terrible story, and you have my utmost sympathies for it, but you're not accepting at any point that there is a certain level of there is no smoke without fire. And that becomes a problem when this documentary is asking you to take a specific side. And that was the problem I had with it. I was interested, I was enthralled, I found him a fascinating subject. However, my fascination kept getting cast by the wayside. And that, that for me, that's kind of an issue. <laughs> but, uh, let's say, there's a woefully naive element to it. but uh. So, Anthony Mackey. This is yes. this is what we got to talk we're about.
0: We like we like uh, Mr. Mackey.
1: We like a bit of Mackey. We, we like do. the Falcon. We, we're, we're Falcon fans. We're, we're Falcon into, fans. We're into we're into Falconry. <laughs> do you know when he takes a woman home at night? Do you think let's do some Falconry? Terrible. <laughs> I, so. I hope not. Spread my wings and do some Falconry. As long as he doesn't say this is going to hurt
0: Locker, then yeah.
1: Oh man! <laughs> Actually, was that his first big role of Hurt Locker? Was it, can, um, on, going it was Going back, in my it was mind, half
0: Nelson first. Obviously, he he wasn't the main
1: mm. the main cat in because I think Half we Nelson, had we, but... we had the I think it, it feels like we had the Hurt Locker and then he was just in everything afterwards. He was in a lot of he works a lot. And yeah. It was
0: I think it was I started. I, paying... I think he was better in Hurt Locker than than Jamie was.
1: Yeah, I go with that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's one of the core three. He's, core he's trio, one of the core three. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really started paying attention when he turned up in Real Steel. And I, don't judge me for the film. Don't judge me for the film. But when he turned up in Real Steel, I just. There's not a lot to take away from. There's that not. I just felt like, okay, it's that guy again. He's that he's, guy, yeah. He's obviously just about to become a big thing. <laughs> Let's we pay should, attention. We should probably pay attention to him. That was my takeaway from Real Steel. Yeah. That and hang on a minute. Dude, Hugh, really? I thought she was meant to be like your adopted sister. What's this now? She's your girlfriend? What? Yeah. That's just. no. No one thought this through. Like, stop touching a man. You know, it was one of those things. But Anthony Mackey has been cast in... Uh Catherine Bigelow's latest film, who directed the Hurt Locker? Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a reunion. And this is her st- her telling of this is her film that's set during the five day riots in Detroit in 1967. Yeah. He's going to play a Vietnam vet returning home and then brought into the uh, into the story.
0: Yeah, I can see that that'll be very cool. That could work. But, um, there's been some other uh, brand new additions to that as well. I don't think we were spoken about. Go on,
1: there are a couple names. What yeah. were they?
0: Um, so uh, John Boyega was already John He was so yep, maybe yep. the first person to be attached to mm-hmm. that one. Uh, Will Poulter. Oh, yeah, you heard about Yeah, about of course, uh, from The Revenant. Am I right in thinking uh, Jack Rayner? You'll be correct.
1: Jack Rayner, yeah. And
0: uh, also um, uh, Hannah Murray from Game of Thrones. Hannah
1: Murray from Game
0: of Thrones. Yeah, uh, Gilly, Gilly. Gilly. Um, oh! Sam. Y- yeah, Sam yeah, Sam's yeah. lady friend. Yeah.
1: yeah, I know. Oh, she's cute. Anyway. Oh, yeah, she's um, cool. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. So this hmm. is, I mean, because it, it's got the writer of The Hurt Locker as yeah, well, isn't it? Uh, Jeff Bowl? Jeff um, uh, Mark. Mark. Mark Ball. Ball. Mark, Very Mark close. Ball. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of these days. I don't want to get something flawless. Uh, Mark <laughs> Ball. So it's got the writer of the Hurt Locker. It's got the director of the Hurt Locker. It's got one of the stars of the Hurt Locker. This is, this is this good could be like the Hurt Locker. This, this could be. Yeah. The thing is, I, I think this, is, this has got potential Oscar fodder written all over it. Oh, absolutely! It's Especially
0: for someone like Anthony Mackie, who's yeah. just—he's—he's he's been just on the precipice for a while, hasn't I think he? Yes. Uh,
1: did you ever watch the the film he was in, All the Way, with Brian Cranston? Oh, the
0: LBJ. No, not yeah. yet. It's, it's on my list. I'm gonna—I'm gonna wait until the um, the Woody Harrelson one is out mm. and then have a LBJ double bill.
1: I I had the pleasure <laughs> of watching it. It was—it was, it was How a was case it? of like Cranston. The, all the performances are great. Yeah. Uh, the film itself not inherently gripping. It goes on far too long for one thing. But Mackie's fantastic as MLK. It's the Guy with a Trumbo as well. Well,
0: isn't it? Uh, Jay Roach. Jay Roach, yeah. The guy
1: who did Trumbo. I think you'll find he was the director of Austin Powers, Austin Powers 2 and Austin Powers 3. I mean, come Is on. Is that
0: what he wants to be associated when credit, he's making films like Trumbo? where it's due. I <laughs> you, mean,
1: you like Trumbo. You, in fact, you... I don't. bloody love Trombone. I love Trombone. I'm a big yeah. fan of Trombone. But uh, yeah, no, so like, Anthony Mackie. I, 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 There's just going to be such huge things for that guy down the line. Yeah, like, There really is. I and, never saw Triple Nine. He was in that as well, wasn't he? He was one of the better parts of Triple Nine. Yeah, that. him and him and Chewy. Him and Chewie. Yeah. Although, I mean, let's be honest. I think, I think you said it and I agreed with you that uh, Anthony Mackie should replace Will Smith in the Men in Black series.
0: Absolutely. If that like. doesn't happen for, what, what's it going to be called? Is it, is it MIB... Uh, 23. MIB twenty three, I think it for was. The, yeah, the crossover.
1: Of course, the weird the weird thing is like I I, I I've done a couple of press cons with uh, with Anthony Mackie now, all yeah. Marvel, all, ones. The Marvel stuff, all, course, all the Marvel stuff. All the Marvel stuff. He's at every press con. It seems. Yeah. Um it's, And he's just like exuding charisma. He does, but he? he comes across as when, when you actually encounter him in the real world, you think this must have been what it was like to encounter Will Smith in about nineteen ninety five in his prime. Yeah. Yeah, like prime Smith. It's it's got that prime <laughs> Smith feel to him. But, uh, so let's talk real quickly then about Wiener Dog, which is the latest from yeah. uh, writer-director Todd Salons, who brought us happiness, didn't he?
0: Yes, uh, Phillips Hoffman and Hoffman. Yeah, yeah,
1: so he he has something of a he's he's a very Sundance friendly <laughs> director, I would say. <laughs> if you had to put a name on it, yeah, he's, he's a, a very festival friendly director. I think would be. Are you a fan? You, you strike me as you'd be a fan of his.
0: Yeah, I've seen
1: I've seen Happiness and I I, I did like hmm. it. Yeah. So what Wiener Dog comprises of is, is, is four stories, all of which are connected by the presence of a wiener Dog, which apparently seems to be the American slang for dashend or Daxon, I'm not even sure how you say it. My sister owns one of these, and I... I
0: yeah, one of my yeah. best friends has one, well and I've said... That,
1: yeah. yeah, So I, I do like the idea of calling the wiener dog. Now my sister calls her as a sausage dog, but I, I that's what I
0: heard first. Yeah, yeah, sausage dog. Yeah.
1: Um. So the idea is you've got these four separate stories. The first one is about a young sickly boy who's undergoing cancer treatment. He has very cold, distant parents. Uh, these comprise our clip, by the way. Um. And they get a wiener dog for him. Uh, the idea being that you know to teach him responsibility. And however, they have no time for the dog themselves. And the dog is, is quickly proven to be something of an obstacle to their rather button down lives. You have another story that's, uh, uh... what's her name? Greta Gerwig. The one I keep wanting to call <laughs> Gretchen Moll. Greta, Greta Gerwig, Gerwig yeah. who is a girl who works at the at a vet who takes the Dash and presumed to be the same one home with her, having befriended a local uh, an old an old friend an old sort of uh, what do you call it, estranged high school friend played by Kieran Culkin who's now a junkie or you know, to put it another way the the cleanest cut junkie you've ever seen in your life who is now playing his brother who is now yeah yeah effectively. <laughs> and then you have another story in which Danny DeVito is a uh, uh, a browbeaten sort of uh, misanthropic university lecturer wh- who's trying to make a name for himself as a as a screenwriter with failed results and he has a dash and then you have another story in which what <laughs> quite a cold name uh oh, i forgot her name uh, gina Jen, jenna rowlands jenna Rollins. uh she's nick cassavetti's mom isn't she I am thinking of that one. Yeah, line. I believe so. Yes, uh, right.
0: Julie Delpy is also in this one.
1: Julie is in the first story. She's the mum of the kid in the first story. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, and okay. she is still French. So the kid's called Remy, for instance. Yes, I so just it's, saw it's a, that. It's a, a, a transatlantic marriage. Uh, the fourth story has Jenna Rollins as an old blind lady whose granddaughter, Shoshana from Girls, actress's name not included, uh, turns up one day to ask for some money for some reason. And Jenna Rowland has this Dashend, whom she has named Cancer. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to describe this to... Do you know what? Should we, should we just do a clip first? I think you need to put one on, yeah. Let's just do a clip. This is from the first story. This is from the, the, the sickly boy with the, uh, with the wiener dog story.
0: Hey, Dad, when do you think we can let wiener dog out of her cage?
1: When she's housebroken.
0: Why do people say house broken?
1: Because, Remy, you have to break a dog. Break their will. So that they'll submit to your will. It's a kind of civilizing. So they act like humans.
0: You mean so they go to the bathroom outside instead of inside?
1: Exactly. As you might be able to tell from that clip, there is a rather absurdist sense of humour to all of this. Yeah, i got that impression. And the problem is, more than anything, if you're not accustomed to Todd from his previous works, this is going to come out of nowhere and feel like you've just been punched in the side of the head. Some of these comedic sort of beats are so left field that they they just knock you for six, and there are things like the dad character in the first setup. Some of the things that Julie Delphi, as his mum, says um, moments like what's the dog's name? Cancer. You know <laughs> things like that. There is a there is a um, a moment seventy six minutes into the, sorry sixty six minutes into this film involving Danny DeVito and uh, and his pet that will absolutely blindside you. You just do not see it coming, and it's at the end of the day you come away from you like. Again, I'm not sure quite what to make of this. I'm going to consider it a success because it does deliver Todd Solondz's very unique tone, very unique style. And it is a film that literally nobody else could have made. Mm. There are some some visual asides. There is a bizarre intermission in which a in which a wiener dog runs alongside horses, in in a Wild <laughs> West moment, complete with the theme song Wiener Dog, and that sounds worth it. Sounds it, it, worth seeing a film. Just about. It, it is a very strange affair. It's a very singular film, and mm. I would say if if you were if you were a fan of Happiness, you're going to really enjoy this because it's very much kind of tonally it's more of the same. If you are not of the Sundance persuasion, however, if these kind of films don't do anything for you, hmm. this is really not going to win you over. This really isn't, because it's just a reminder. You feel detached the entire time from a phenomenon that you clearly are not a part of. Now, I sit sort of halfway on this. I can take or leave. And I just merrily sat through it. Okay, I can get on board with this. It's fine. But I just I feel like it would really, really leave people cold if they weren't. Already attuned to this particular wavelength. And the benchmark for that obviously is happiness. But actually, I say I, I liked it, I laughed a few times. There's some really <laughs> absurd you, but you stuff just in there. I didn't know why. <laughs> you laugh because it's so random it's so deranged. Yeah. And having said that though, it's it's fearless in how deranged it is. And I would rather a film had the balls to be that than be stifled than be uh, well, <laughs> to go with the dog doctor, neutered. Yeah. But... So take take note, uh, Mike and Dave. <laughs> yeah, take note, Mike and Dave. Either yeah. give us the R rated comedy or don't. Yeah. One or the other. Don't sit at a PG-13 and tell us it's Christmas. Not the case. So, yeah. yeah. Have we got anything else? Oh, uh, one bit of film news. Brack Go Eisner. On. Yes.
0: So this is a filmmaker. Um, yes, he is. This is a filmmaker. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, is a filmmaker. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah, um, <laughs> Most <laughs>
1: of the people we talk about are filmmakers, if we're honest.
0: <laughs> just next time, I'm going to talk about, like, a painter
1: or something. <laughs> just, just to prove okay, you wrong. Occasionally we mention Donald Trump, you know, for and giggles, but that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> But Nervous laughter <laughs> Nervous laughter <laughs> yeah. uh, Bre- So, so Brekhazer directed The Crazies That's the what remake, I was trying to The remake of, of The Crazies yes. He also directed The Last Witch Hunter last year
0: Oh, which I didn't see But I might see one day if
1: I'm really drunk It's goofy fun Yeah um, Will it better if I see it drunk? Yeah, Yeah. A bit, probably yeah. A beer and pizza movie Beer and pizza It movie. has got, you know, sexy redhead from Game of Thrones though Oh, Egret. Um, Egret. I don't know her name of her life, I apologise Every but time you Ygritte. say it You sound like an Irishman saying idiot that <laughs> uh, <laughs> be Egypt. Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, he's going to direct Paramount's second attempt to reboot the Friday the 13th franchise. I mean, if it didn't work on the first one, just try it again. If it doesn't work on the second one, just give it to somebody else.
0: Um, (laughs) Or don't do it.
1: The first Friday the 13th has a special place in my heart, though, of being one of the most inadvertently racist films ever made. And just to a degree, that's hilarious. So, you know, Chinese kid using a walk as a shield. Yeah. You know, black guy dies in a wood pile. Stuff like that. Um... (laughs) There is one bit of film news, and this seems to have come about today. And this is this is one of those behind things. Apparently, uh, Dwayne Johnson's starting a, a feud. Yeah, I noticed this it's on Instagram. Yeah, he's, he's starting a feud. And have you heard today's
0: revelation? No, I don't know who it's with. It's Ooh. just with. Oh, the... do you not know? Okay. Right. Okay. Let's let's set it up. So he posted a picture on rocks on his on, on, on Instagram. On Insta Rock, yeah. On on, on the Insta Rock, as he on tends to do every yeah. couple of hours. And, um, it first of all, he, he starts it by saying he's got nothing but like love and respect for all of his female co stars. The male co stars, yeah, male, male co stars. Uh, he
1: does actually say the male co stars leave something to be desired. Um, what and what is he, he talking about? Right, He he, right, first of all, he refers to them as being too chicken shit to do anything about it and that they are candy asses. <laughs> now, the First of all, everyone thought that he was talking about Scott Eastwood, because Scott Eastwood had recently done an interview in which he had specifically used the term candy asses. Right. Now, today it has emerged... The plot thickens. Today it's emerged that it's not. It's not Scott Eastwood at all. It's Vin Diesel. Oh no! Yeah, they no. can't fall out. Apparently, now this again. This was a minor rumor to begin with, and it's now apparently become a thing. They have had to have an on-set powwow to address all their issues because apparently there's been uh, uh, people aren't representing themselves well enough, yeah. and there's a lot of ego in play. And I'm going to assume The Rock is not the part with the ego because you would think. You yeah. would assume he's the Rock. He's the Rock. Yeah. You know, this this guy worked with Michael Bay.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, Vin Vin Diesel. <laughs> it could be very dangerously close to where bruce willis is with Die Hard. yeah where he's the like quote-unquote sort of visionary godfather he of kind of is now. yeah but
1: yeah so apparently this is all going on they're having an onset I don't, want that, I don't want it to fall out well apparently i'm trying to remember which cast member it was someone said this is really not the way we wanted to end the shoot because it finishes filming next week yeah of course yeah they but said, it, this isn't how we wanted to end it
0: yeah I think the, um, Dwayne Johnson has finished all of his filming parts already. I think he's already done.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think. to be honest, though, we may find that he has a somewhat smaller role come Fast Night.
0: Possibly. <laughs> well, there was talk about a Luke Cobb's uh, spin-off. Which,
1: which wouldn't surprise me. Absolutely wouldn't
0: surprise I me. I mean, I don't know uh, who uh, Tom and Tolman Bane is playing in the film. I don't know <laughs> what his character is. And I can't pronounce his his, his actual name. No, really. like, I can I. No, but I would want to see a spin-off of just him in a film. <laughs>
1: Oh, buddy, movie between him and Dwayne Johnson. Oh, um, let's get that together. Oh, that so works. Get him
0: in Central Intelligence too. <laughs>
1: that's what Ukrainian terrorists? <laughs> yeah, oh, that would be Actually, amazing. Kind of works in a strange it way. Totally works. Yeah, that that kind of works. Yeah, really. I can't think of how you'd introduce Kevin Hart back into it, but never mind. Oh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I mean, that that that's it. That's that's that's. I can't think of anything better than Tom and Giant Spain it's true no I think I can't think of anything we can do further now on the show for this week like that, that kind of that kind of kills you. See you in a fortnight. So you, you, let's go get you married. Let's and do then that. We'll I've have got a we'll have to do. week off, yeah. so that you can have a few drinks and calm yourself down because you'll be all excitable and, and Ooh, yeah, you're gonna be all yeah. giddy and excited. And, and
0: then, and then the crushing realization that I'm a married man.
1: <laughs> <setting>. <laughs> so we will of course be back on August the twenty sixth yes. when we will be reviewing the likes of War Dogs and and the Purge. and what's that other film. Nine um, Lives Nine Lives, yeah, that's the one So uh, until <laughs> then, that's that's really it from us yeah. and, and we leave you, as always, with your Moment of Cage You
0: can only fly on a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday it. And it's important to make you look, I've got a major problem, okay My fiancé was kidnapped and taken to Hawaii I've got to get there now Well, I'm trying to make arrangements to get to Milwaukee For my nephew Douglas's wedding on the 21st You're not even flying today? No. Consumer Reports said that if you make your travel arrangements two weeks in advance at you the airport, you see this line. We're all flying today. Please, sir.
1: If you don't get back on, then what?
0: I'll be arrested, put in airport jail. Just get your ticket and move on. Okay? Get your goddamn ticket and move on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's